Welcome to School Leaders in Focus with Henry Grossack, a spin-off series from the Viewpoints podcast. Hear from exceptional leaders in education who strive to inspire the next generation of leaders. Welcome to School Leaders in Focus. I'm your host, Henry Grossack, Principal of Berwick Lodge Primary School, and uh, this section honours the great work that school leaders uh, in, in our region, our state and Australia are doing across, uh, across many sectors. And this uh, time we've got uh, John Mooney, who's a principal of Emerson School, and he'll be joining us in a moment. But John's been in public education in Victoria now for over 50 years and um, has been acknowledged for the great work he's done with both the Public Service Medal for Outstanding Public Service in the area of education for children with special needs, and he's also been awarded the Order of Australia Medal for his services to public education. So we really are talking with one of our most outstanding principals. Welcome to School Leaders in Focus, John Mooney. Oh, uh, thank you uh, for that lovely introduction, Henry. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And it's, as I said, an honour to have you here. And I'm sure people who will be tuning in with us, John, there'll be many pearls of wisdom there. I'll start with something I found out about you. When you went to Ballarat Teachers College in 1966, and this has obviously been a thread through your whole career, the motto, the joy of serving is the chance of serving more. And I'll quote you, I'm always wanting to find better ways of doing things and ways to make our education system better. You might like to elaborate on on the motto that's guided you. Yes, well, it's rather interesting. As a, the, the, the young people that we were when we started in 66, I was 17, turning 18, and just finished my matriculation. Um, I was always interested in languages and also maths and science. And but I decided to go to Teachers College uh, rather than go to Melbourne, and and the the um, the the motto of the the motto there, yeah, the, the joy of serving is a chance of serving more, um, was a subset of the main uh, motto, which was extra muros, beyond the walls. And the answer is, uh, in these times, you get ready to to be um, um, a, you know a jack of many trades, to go out as a primary school teacher, often into rural schools, to teach all grades and to mow the lawns and to light the fires, clean the toilets, uh, clean a school for about oh, about a dollar eighty um, a week, um, and um, and be there ready to go every day, every day, and every day, um, with no teacher replacements. Um, uh, there would be maybe two regional relief teachers, but you would never get a chance. So that you couldn't afford to be sick, you couldn't let the children down. So the, the concept of a work ethic associated with extra muros beyond the walls and when you left the two-year program and, and started out on your journey, um, uh, you either uh, found it very hard or you sunk like a stone uh, or you survived and, um, and then with that hard work, you hopefully would thrive. But, you know, uh, the extra muros was fine and the last line of the song came in the, uh, the and the cha- the joy of serving is a chance of serving more and I made that um, a commentary that I've made throughout my teaching career which now is um, you know chalking up 56 years and um, 25 years at the one school so um, you know um, security and leadership um, um, commitment to the task um, and uh, and and hopefully then turning everyone 
in your whole in the whole team into a whole bunch of leaders that were all showing initiative and shining. So I might add, uh, it's a good way to start that uh, the joy of serving is a chance of serving more because, you know, some people become very ambitious and they're very much about, um, you, know, you know, climbing the ladder of so-called success. But it depends, uh, Henry, what that ladder, ladder of success may be. And I think for me, at about the age of 35, having been at university till, you know, learning everything I possibly could as well as teaching full time, um, I decided that my commitment was um, to be of service to people and service to the community, having achieved a, a number of things academically. Um, and um, I think the one, the biggest honour was, um, I think, along the way, Henry, um, a number of people were going from the old, you know, assessment by inspectors. I, um, I, I There was at least two people that tapped me on the shoulder and said, that they felt that I was capable of doing things beyond what I felt in my hopeful, my, um, my, my, my a sense of humility and a sense of proportion that I was young and needed to um, establish uh, myself as being worthy of the attention of others. And um, Hubert Oppermann, the great um, cyclist who became a politician, um, signed off in, in one of his biographies where he said, I hope that my efforts have been worthy of your consideration. And I often use that uh, that statement, but a number of people, one of, one of which was Jeff Dunstan, who went on to become the Deputy Assistant of Primary Education, um, gave me a principal's mark of a large school at the age of 22, and it shocked me and it scared me because I didn't think that I was... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, able to do that in terms of uh, would it be appropriate um, that I felt that I wouldn't be mature enough in the eyes of people to do that. But I was developing a sense of hopefully of wisdom, common sense, being a good communicator and, 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 and trying to relate well with all I met with a sense of sincerity and um, no condescension, no patronising, but looking affirming everybody you met and and he, um, in the time of seniority, came out and said that to me as um, and complimented me about some of the finest education that he had seen in his inspectorate, and he gave reasons for why he would say that. And only a few years later, I found myself being tapped on the shoulder again by, by Les Emerson, the, who was at that time the deputy leader of, uh, um, of the primary sector, um, and... Um, Deputy Director, and um, he he was the speaker at our graduation in 1967. But in 1965, he called me into 1975. He called me into my office after I had done fairly well in some of my Monash studies, um, and had you know done fairly well, if I can say that mm. humbly. And um, and he asked me would I become the foundation. Uh, uh, executive officer of the Krongol Research Centre for Exceptional Children at Monash in collaboration with the dean and the department. And so here I am at age 27 being asked to run a senior research facility and then not long after that being asked to be uh, being awarded the Open Australian Fellowship uh, and Nuffield Scholarship at London University to uh, uh, chosen by the the ministers of education, the, as a, as the Commonwealth representative, uh, to be um, the representative in London, and um, 
I did quite well there, if I'm allowed to say. And um, um, and then I came back off the plane in '84, and I have been principal of three large schools since then. And and then so the chance of serving is the chance of serving more. And so the captain of the Titanic decided to be on the ship when the ship went down. And I I have been um, steady on the ship, um, um, running large programs dynamic broad depth in the um, in the curriculum and um, um, an ocean liner with so many facets needs to keep moving in the water and um, and I've been able to do that particularly at my last two schools of Ashwood for 12 years and now at Emerson for 25 years and I've just been given another five-year extension um, and um, we're uh, I'm really happy with um, Rodan said that when he died and his greatest masterpiece sculpture was unfinished, he will have known that he was successful. And I I really love doing what I'm doing here. As we speak at the moment, our buses are all arriving for uh, the students to go home to uh, their various localities around the Dandenong region. Uh, we have 400 students coming from 225 different schools. And uh, it's really a wonderful example of including people in a in a program by which they will blossom. It's like a scholarship to come to our school and um, and it's wonderful to see people just emerging. Even the other day, Henry, and I'll conclude, a student um, uh, who had previously not spoken a word at their previous school, but our school was becoming quite a chatterbox. So they were mm. selectively silent. And a staff member said, why are you, why are you, you're having so much fun at the school? And he said, yes. He said, I heard that you used to be very quiet. And he said, no, I didn't speak at my last school at all. And I said, well, why do you speak here? And she said, because I feel at home. And, mm. um, and I thought that was a wonderful story that I heard. And I thought, well, that makes it all worthwhile. So that's a fairly long answer to your question, Henry. Now, now you've been, as you said, in specialist education now for more than two decades, moving up to three decades. Um, Yep. In terms of uh, in terms of growing yourself over that period of time, and all schools are challenging, and and yours would be no different to mine in that regard. What's the keys to being offered, as you say, just recently another five years after twenty six years in that one school? What are, what's the keys that give people confidence in, in in yourself and people such as yourself to have another five inspiring years? I think um, um, uh, uh, if one asks oneself the question, how do you gauge the effectiveness of your communication with others? Um, sometimes, Henry, it's by a smile. Sometimes it's someone saying hello when they haven't said hello to anybody. I've been working on a few young, young fellows who have got autistic type behavior and they prefer to stay to themselves. And I find out ways where they'll give me some eye contact. And then all of a sudden I'll say, say hello, Mr. Mooney. And I did it about an hour ago. And the young man said, hello, Mr. Mooney. And then, and then another boy came into my office like that the other day. And he said, um, you're a good man. I like coming to talk to you. And, and so, um, I think it's all about relationships and communications, but the, the, I hope to think that when a visitor comes to the school here, 
and they said hello to so many times by people in a mature way. We're teaching people to stand on their own two feet, whereas formerly uh, they might have had to have someone to hold their hand. And um, so, um, and that I often use that phrase, and um, it's wonderful that you've honed in on it. The joy of serving is a chance of serving more. And uh, and I and I use um, and I use phrases like um, may may your visit to this school be thoroughly disturbing to you in and you may be disturbed into a new way of thinking and you know i think education's got to have a joy henry and mm-hmm. um, these days i hear it in uh, in various commentaries um on uh, tv and radio um the notion of um, retention and attraction of staff but what we really need is schools that are just oozing with that joy and enthusiasm of learning and and not being really bogged down by compliance and accountability that really can, can, can have a, and often does, have a very drainy experience. But so when I was asked how many years I wanted Henry uh, as an extension, I said 50. <laughs> and, um, and that was just a joke. But, uh, and, uh, but then I said, I think it's only reasonable that I be offered five as um, uh, in, you know, in, in, in acknowledgement of the contributions that I have made and I'm continuing to make where the best is yet ahead. And so when I move on from this school at full speed, hopefully the baton will be passed on at that speed and it'll go even faster. Mm, I'm sure it will, John. Now, John, uh, uh, another question that, that, that your, your long time in, in the profession, um, I think, begs is, the passion that's with you and the longevity of 50 plus years um, in, in the in the uh, profession, we're hearing right now there's a teacher crisis, there's a leadership crisis. Um, looking back over your five decades plus, um, it wasn't always so. So what's happened and why are we in this position? Um, a colleague of mine down the road, Kevin McKay, who has decided to... Um, to um, uh, to finish his teaching career, at, at least in this chapter, after 60 years, and I happened to be his tutor at Monash University when I worked there, and he always never lets me forget that. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, but I, I think Kevin and I were in the first round of local selection in 1985, and I remember there were eight principals that were chosen to be uh, uh, interviewed for the particular job that I went for. I didn't rank myself highly because I was I had a, a common sense view and the sheer experience that was on offer. And I was amazed when the panel chose me. The chairman bre- uh, didn't breach confidence, but after it was all done in feedback, he said, I just want to tell you how we, what we thought of your writing, your and your uh, and your presentation in um, interview and and the commentaries made of you that when I asked people to look at the people that they would be prepared to consider in rank order before we started the evaluation of everything, but at this point of time, where were you standing? He said I was amazed that people ranked three to four people that they needed would like to be considering, and you were ranked one by every member. Of the panel. And I just want you to know that and to know how much we think of you and how much we encourage you to throw yourself into this job. And I tell you what, 
I have never forgotten that, Henry. Mm. Uh, but the, th- the fact is there, they had a lot of choice. But at this point of time, you're seeing um, because of issues that are going where we have to be promoting trust in the system and level of enthusiasm in the system and uh, cogent and rigorous debates and discussions between people, that, that's, it's an essential component to, uh, to attract and retain people in, in the jobs. And so, therefore, we need to be moving into a new genre of getting back to that garden of trust and um, where people would look forward to meeting with uh, each other and having, you know, really full-on debates on things, but that's the way we raise the bar. It's mm, a good point. Now, another issue which would have to be close to your heart, and it's it's uh, it's one that's doing the rounds and has been for some time, and it has a momentum about it, and that is the whole issue of inclusion and where do schools such as Emerson School fit in the scheme of things as we move forward? Well, Henry, it depends on who you're talking to there, and there are many people who have very various ideological approaches to these things. And, um, you know, at the moment on the 15th of uh, September at Monash, I'm going to a dean's lecture on a reflection on the 1872 uh, Education Act and 150 years since then. And also, uh, you know, the various United Nations statements of the rights of the disabled um, and on all aspects. But a lot of people feel that people should not have options and choice to go to schools uh, and particularly in the area of disability or disenabling conditions. Now, if we're going to unlock the potential of every child on this planet and give them the opportunity in this state of Victoria where we have a wonderful uh, array of options across the sectors and the systems, then we, we should be able to have options and choices as an indication. Now, inclusion can sometimes lead to marginalisation, Henry, and if, um, if a person is included in a local school and if they're not a behavioural issue or a problem, and that is usually a manifestation of something else, then everything will be fine. But the question is as to whether the depth in the curriculum has been broad and, and, and rich, uh, whereby a person can really raise the bar in their own aspirations. And there's the key word, aspiration, to aspire to who they can be then sometimes inclusion in some schools is not inclusion at all. And that evening, it can be in a specialist school. It could be in a select entry school. It could be an accelerated learning program, you know, where, you know, you know some people get a chance, some people don't. Some people, if they've got the money, can pay high fees. Some people can't. And um, some people might be religiously oriented and go to a church-based school. That's fine. Some people may be not able to enrol. So the definitions of inclusion vary widely. And so as far as Emerson School, it's a school for kids with mild intellectual processing difficulties. And some questions on our website say, if your child is having a bit of a worry going to school or sometimes resisting going to school, or if they're having sort of roadblocks in some of their learning situation, why don't you come in and have a cup of tea or coffee? There could be an answer. And countless principals have, have taken me up on that, Henry, and I've visited them and they've visited me in all the ways that we help each other to make the place a better place. And um, so inclusion is a, at the moment, we're looking at, um, you know, some tests that are being used 
There's one test being called the Unit 2 test of, cognitive, of nonverbal cognitive function, whereby all of a sudden people who formerly and other aspects have gotten lower scores are now getting such high scores that they're getting defunded. And, uh, and so therefore the school will have to be reasonably adjusted to make sure that they're coping with that student's needs. And, and I'm a strong advocate for that test to be totally abolished because it's not being an accurate baseline assessment of how you then get a kid to springboard into life. And um, so I, 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 I sometimes I'm not a worrier, um, uh, but I don't like to be a worrier either, um, Henry, but I do have mm. to stand up for sometimes parents can only be as happy as their saddest child. And I have to do something about that. And that, I've made that my uh, one of my missions since I threw my hat into this circle in 1974. So it's actually a couple more years than you estimated there. Mm. It was, um, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm, uh, it's a, or it's, it's a, a fair percentage of my, of my career now that, um, that I put in and, um, and, um, and, and I'm, I'm still getting better uh, at that. But the word inclusion, uh, reasonable adjustment, and all these matters these days, um, um, there are some concerns there because there is potentially an attritional mod modelling whereby um, uh, uh, options and choices will be taken away under the guise of your local community should, could, and will provide everything in your your uh, your 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 evolution and your blossoming as a young person but okay if that is the case then we've got select entry schools we've got the college of the arts we've got you know all sorts of things that that are there to develop uh, potential well we need options and choices to make sure it's balanced across our community henry Absolutely. John, it's been an absolute pleasure and inspiring chatting with you. I've been in the game a long time too and I'm, um, I was so thrilled to hear you say something which applies to myself. I'm getting better at things as I go through my career at this point even and I'm learning every day and I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to thank you for, for that opportunity. Um, looking forward to um, chatting with you again shortly, John, and uh, I just want to congratulate you on a great career that I'm sure is far from conclusion. Yes, the woods are lovely, dark and deep, and I <laughs> promise to keep, so we're going to keep going, Henry, and it's been lovely speaking with you today. Uh, it was John Mooney, uh, OAM, Principal of Emerson School, and uh, I think one of our most inspiring leaders in our country. You've been listening to School Leaders in Focus. It was hosted by Henry Grossek and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and a rating via Apple Podcasts. Until next time, stay focused.